Gateway to Africa. Your voice on matters tourism, travel, and business. It's a journey into Africa and discovery of its people and natural resources. Catch Gateway to Africa only on Channel Africa, bringing you African stories from an African perspective. Uh, the Brazilian President uh, Michel Temer who has been uh, really looking at why it's important to include the countries that are part of the new conversation of actually really making sure that agreements extend further into the African continent. Uh, earlier on I saw uh, walking in the President of U Uganda Yoweri Museveni. Uh, we also saw the President of Zimbabwe um, Nangagwa, President Nangagwa actually in the group right here but there's other countries that are part of this gathering zambia namibia gabon togo uganda rwanda if we see this vision unfolding it will extend actually uh the uh, platform that already BRICS has because BRICS currently accounts for 40% of the world population and uh, their combined uh, nominal GDP amounted to $18.6 trillion uh, just this year, about 23% of the gross world domestic product and we know that the possibilities of trade between all these countries have a huge potential and we know not only that but already we see seeing them ballooning from uh, uh, 203 billion rands in 2010 to 462 billion South African rands last year. So we're going to track what happened in the last few days and try to figure out what has been actually been the central themes uh, that have been happening in the last two days. Uh, joining us right now on the line is Sanusha Naidu who's a senior researcher at the Institute of of, uh, global uh, dialogue is joining us uh, from uh, uh, the lines and also we will also have Nozipo Mpanjwa who is the CEO of a talent firm she was also one of the 
moderators here at uh, uh, the one of the gatherings. I think it was the BRICS uh, uh, Business Forum. She's also an international acclaimed conference uh, uh, moderator and also has uh, moderated conversations w- with the World Economic Forum, United Nations uh, agencies, including UN Women, the World Bank, and the International Monetary Fund, amongst other global bodies. But let me start uh, the conversation with you, Sanusha. Uh, thank you for giving us your time. Can you hear us uh, clearly where you are? Good morning, All right, Sanusha, what are your thoughts of uh, the developments that are taking place? The big conversation during the week uh, started with uh, China's investment into uh, South Africa. We saw uh, also conversations taking place uh, with uh, uh, Russia, uh, whereby they are still speaking about uh, trade agreements between South Africa and themselves. Especially what was interesting was the uh, skilled trade between South Africa and Zimbabwe when it comes to the steel industry. And uh, what I've read lately was the fact that Russia is also forging ahead with an agreement with Zimbabwe's platinum project, uh, the Great Dyke Investment Project, which is aiming to produce uh, 85,500 ounces of uh, platinum uh, from Zimbabwe. So there is kind of a plethora and a multifaceted different agreements uh, that are taking place uh, at this uh, summit. Yeah, I think you, you've kind of captured the salency of the summit in many ways, Benjamin, because it's really quite a, you know, from a symbolic perspective, it's the 10th summit, which is quite an important milestone for the BRICS in terms of their, of their institutionalization and formalization as a grouping. Second thing is that this is about the, the kind of uh, intra-BRICS cooperation and engagement that will take place from both political economic perspective. And we've seen this now in the context of the uh, $47 billion that South Africa signed in, as investments with China. You mentioned the, 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 the cooperation and, and, and the projects around uh, the platinum and steel industry between South Africa, Zimbabwe, and of course Russia, and of, and of course there's other there's also other dynamics as well in terms of uh, technical cooperation and development cooperation. So I think invariably, you know, I think the, 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 there's, there's there's a whole lot of economic activity around the BRICS. Uh, how the BRICS can become an important platform in terms of the on-stream projects that have come in. Uh, under the BRICS Development Bank, and more importantly, in terms of the um, of the, of the deals that are being signed in terms of cooperation, investment, and development um, projects. But at the same time, I think there's also a bigger a bigger agenda here. I mean, some people may say that you know there's been different dynamics that are that are at play within the BRICS. For example, as we move into the next cycle of the of the of decade of the BRICS, um, there will be questions about the role that it plays in a much more coalesce, a, a collective and a much more cohesive way with regard to global governance. Now we've, we've seen that in the context of Xi Jinping's speech that you know he talked about a economic order, a global economic uh, environment that sure. at crossroads with each other and so forth. So those are going to be key issues that's going to come out in terms of how they coalesce around these, these questions. But also, I think what's important here is that we've got to we've got to start looking at the dynamics of British 
the credit and the, and the development parts are, are interesting, but I think it's really about whether how the BRICS positions them, position themselves in going forward in a multilateral system that's demented, that's uncertain, that's in a precarious situation, and of course is looking for direction and looking for leadership, okay. and that's going to be key. Staying with you, uh, Sanusha, before I move on to Nozipo, it's very interesting that you highlighted uh, the very firm um, stance that was taken both uh, by uh, the president of uh, China, Xi Jinping, and South Africa's uh, president, Cyril Ramaphosa, yesterday, especially uh, really critical against uh, uh, U.S. President Donald Trump's trade war. We know that he's already slapped tariffs of $500 billion in Chinese imports. And that seems like the framework in which uh, uh, the new direction of BRICS is working. They don't want to see a dominance of a country as powerful such as uh, the United States. It seems like they're trying to create a new pathway of world economics. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, 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 there's a number of different dynamics at play within this context of the global economic governance and the questions around uh, moving forward with the lower development round of the WTO, excuse me, as well as uh, the issue of trying to find a much more uh, amicable and a much more pragmatic way in dealing with the rules and the normative rules of the global of the multilateral trading regime. Having said that, I think there's a new dynamic as well in terms of who's going to move this forward because what emerged throughout Trump and 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 the uh, challenges that the Trump presidency presents to the multilateral uh, trading system as well as the broader trading, uh, the mm, broader mm. system of the multilateral is the fact that there's a lot that, that we are seeing in terms of who's going to actually underwrite the rules of the game now, who's going to enforce those rules and who are going to ensure that those rules get complied with so that you maintain an open trading environment as President Xi Jinping has constantly urged both in Davos last year as well as in continuous speeches that he has made in respect of the global arena. Similarly, from the South African perspective, because I think that what you are witnessing is countries that are going to get caught as casualties within the context of these trade, uh, these trade wars, these, all these global economic disagreements, and that play themselves out in the WTO. What is also interesting is as, as this was taking place and as the summit was reaching its, its, its uh, optimum levels in terms of the decisions made and the declaration unveiled, there was a detente between EU and the Trump presidency in terms of the steel industry. The president of the EU was in, 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 in Washington. They were talking about some of these levels at which the detente will take place. So again, there's another in terms of how these different geostrategic interests come into play and how they actually influence. And I think what is what is important here is what we see with these the deals that are taking place between China, South Africa, as well as the Russian uh, engagement with, with Zimbabwe, etc., is are we going to see an alternative market in terms of the trade, uh, the steel industry, the trade industry, the commodities mm, market, mm, uh, the sure. energy market? Are we going to see alternatives to where uh, the, the pricing of the global commodities, the pricing of the global uh, resources are being now shifted where you have parallel markets at play? 
Let me just interrupt you there, Sanusha. And I know that we also have Nozipo Mpanjo on the line there. But I want us just to cross over to one of those emerging economies on the African continent, especially when it comes to ICT development. They've become very, very central. And that's Rwanda. See that the Rwandan president, Pogagame, is there speaking there. Let's just cross over to his session as he's speaking to the BRICS Outreach Dialogue session. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. with itself and the rest of the world. We are working on a more unified and effective African Union that will enhance our continent's governance and cooperation with partners around the world. In conclusion, there is clearly convergence of interest between Africa and BRICS members. What is most needed is a mechanism for effective delivery on agreed areas. Working together, we will continue to be a principal source of economic dynamism in the years to come. I wish to assure you of Africa's commitment to increased dialogue and active engagement. Thank you once again for the invitation, and we look forward to today's discussions. I'm a Rwandan president there speaking in terms of uh, uh, really the outreach of uh, BRICS countries. We know that the focus today is around uh, BRICS Plus, which is including other countries outside the BRICS format. As I mentioned, that you have... uh, uh, great number of African countries such as Ethiopia, Angola, Zambia, Namibia, Senegal, Gabon, Togo, Uganda and Rwanda uh, who are actually part of this but we also know that SADC leaders are also represented at this particular gathering. Now let me bring in Nozi Pompanjo who's joining us uh, from uh, uh, the line there and she's the CEO of uh, Talent uh, Firm. Uh, Nozipo, thank you for giving us your time. Absolutely. Hi, Benjamin. Now, I know that uh, this BRICS uh, formation is nothing new in terms of its ambition uh, into the African continent, but it seems at this particular gathering, the African um, um, entrenchment seems to be the emphasis uh, for this particular gathering. Why is it important for BRICS to push for African partnership? Benjamin, I think it's a fantastic question and one that comes at a very opportune time. We should remember the the market potential that Africa represents, and it's almost a no-brainer uh, for why the BRICS member countries, including South Africa, would uh, want to exploit that market potential. We are looking at a continent that is uh, sitting at um, that is that has the youngest population, um, and this obviously opens a lot of um, uh, opportunities uh, for markets that are embedded in skills, 
uh, we're looking at uh, a continent that is still rich in minerals, so opportunities there that is ripe for manufacturing. And if we're listening closely to a lot of the presidential speeches, uh, the theme of African industrialization keeps coming through over and over again, and that industrialization cannot take place without investment. What I think is important, though, is for us not to lose the idea that this is not just about the BRICS countries investing in Africa. It's also about looking for African business opportunities within the BRICS countries. And this is something that uh, Minister Rob Davies, the Minister of uh, Trade and Industry in South Africa, was at pains to highlight in the business. Uh, in the BRICS Business Forum to say that we need to look at BRICS Africa and that particular partnership as a reciprocal relationship and not just a one-way relationship. I do think, though, it's also very important for us to remember that there's almost been a slight pivot in how BRICS is now positioning its view on Africa. There's a lot of emphasis on investment-led trade and not just regional trade, as we've been, as we've been hearing in the past. And what investment-led trade then suggests is that there's going to be a stronger need to crowd in private sector funding and and private sector play into the BRICS Africa conversation. So the big challenge, I think, and the big big ask that is at the door of uh, African markets that want to take uh, advantage of this BRICS Africa partnership is they really have to get into the business of making... uh, doing business in those markets increasingly easier. Um, Beyond just the conversations around regional integration, we need to be asking Mm. ourselves, how do we bring down the cost um, of transaction in the region in particular? And so, uh, yeah, and so, and so, and so this, and, no, and so this becomes, this becomes uh, a real focus for this partnership. Um, and I, I think it's, not, it's certainly not a new conversation, like you've said, Benjamin, but it is somewhat a conversation that's taking on new nuances, and we need to keep track of that. With that said, there's a, a lot of critical viewpoints, especially against uh, China, no, uh, no Zippo. The main issue is that... Uh, China does have uh, a, a lot to actually gain from the African continent in mm. terms of how much it imports into the African continent, but also how much it actually loans into the continent, how much we could own owe mm. them as a continent. And uh, we know when it comes to issues of infrastructural development, and we're very much reliant on uh, China. How wary should we be of China and how careful should we be when it comes to these uh, bilateral agreements that we have with them as a superpower? Again, a fantastic question because I, what, I'm, what I'm picking up from the conversations that are taking place is a question about whether we should be tilting uh, the, China, the China into Africa investment and repositioning it through the New Development Bank. Um, and, and, and this is going to be a very, dipli- uh, very difficult diplomatic play because you would, ha- you would agree with me that the economic landscape uh, and the investment landscape across the African continent is very much littered by Chinese investments. Um, and to some extent, for China then to say, you know, we would, we, for the sake of the BRICS partnership and the community, we're going to reposition these um, investments and drive them through, for example, the, the, the new development bank instead of... Um, the Chinese investment uh, uh, institutions and financial institutions that have for a long time been the vehicle and the mechanisms through which loans and credit lines have been opened into African markets. It's going to be a very, very difficult conversation. Mm. But what I think is important is the fact that 
um, the conversation has started around how do we review our own parity within the BRICS uh, countries, because even within the BRICS countries, even if you take Africa out of the equation, the, 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 the investment and the trade relationship is, is uh, really asymmetrical, and we are seeing a lot of Chinese exports um, uh, in, in, into the other markets. And South Africa then has a very important role to play to ensure that they are not an enabler of increased exports uh, of Chinese goods into African markets, and instead, uh, South Africa then becomes a catalyst that allows for more reciprocal investment and more reciprocal trade between China and the continent. And bringing in the BRICS institutions is going to be key to making that happen because without that uh, new form of multilateralism and new form of engagement, uh, China has no reason whatsoever to not continue with uh, the bilateral agreements that it currently has in place. Well, uh, we're going to stay with you, Nozipo, and I hope that we still have uh, Sanusha Naidu there on the line. She's a senior researcher at the Institute of Global Associates, or rather the Institute of Global Dialogue, and we also have Nozipo Mbanjwa, who is the CEO of Talent Firm. I'm going to take a quick break. It's 26 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Just a reminder, we're broadcasting live at the 10th BRICS Summit, which is underway right here at the Santon Convention Center. This is the final day of uh, the gathering. Remember, the big conversation today is on uh, the BRICS plus countries. How do you actually cement these uh, uh, relationship of BRICS uh, and uh, agreements that actually make sure that uh, uh, the rest of the continent has a buy-in into what BRICS is all about when it comes uh, to uh, economic uh, collaboration? This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We love Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us. This is a special broadcast. Uh, this, I'm sure you're asking yourself, this is not the usual uh, Gateway Africa program. Yes, it's not. It's a special broadcast of the 10th BRICS Summit, which is underway uh, right here uh, in uh, Santon, uh, in Johannesburg, uh, South Africa. Thank you, Africa, for giving us your time on the various platforms, on shortwave, on uh, our uh, DSTV audio uh, channel, on channel 802. Remember, you you can also join us on our website where you can stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. And today's a very interesting day here at uh, uh, the BRICS Summit because it is including uh, countries outside of uh, the format, also countries such as Argentina uh, here. So the global.
global south is also well represented here at uh, this particular gathering um, but uh, if you're just joining us uh, and you don't know who we're speaking to getting some analysis on really trying to make sense on what has been happening in the past few days here at the gathering we're joined by Nozi Pombanjwa who is the CEO of Talent Firm and also we have Sanusha Naidu who is joining us from the Institute of Global Dialogue she is the senior researcher associate with the Institute well let me come uh, back to you uh, Sanusha in terms of some of the pointers that Nozipo brought forward in terms of uh, the intra-trade that is being emphasized this issue of intertrade has been emphasized for a long time maybe for the last five years in terms of making sure that implementation is hastened on the african continent but how do you think africa can leverage better in actually making sure that it is not actually indebted to countries such as uh, china sanusha I think I've lost uh, Sanusha there. Let's let's check if Noz- I think we've also uh, lost uh, Nozipo there on the line. Well, let's see if we can get our feet this side and get a little bit of what the Argentinian uh, president who's speaking currently here at uh, the BRICS outreach dialogue session. Let's hear what he has to say just briefly because the session is happening underway and we'll get back our experts on the line. To the opportunities that will allow them to improve their quality of life. I am convinced we must ask together to eradicate poverty and achieve strong, balanced and inclusive growth. It is time to show that global cooperation can lead us to a better future and that the Global South can engage as a constructive actor in building consensus for fair and sustainable development. Well, that is uh, just uh, briefly there from uh, the president of Argentina, Marussia uh, Macri, there uh, speaking uh, to us uh, on the line and uh, speaking to uh, the BRICS uh, outreach dialogue uh, session. And uh, it's very interesting to hear some of the sentiments that are made because uh, what most of the presidents have been highlighting is the fact that uh, this BRICS formation has to actually create a space whereby there is economic change for the people on the ground but there has been some criticism around this that do BRICS projects actually trickle to the ordinary person on the ground doesn't actually have that impact on uh, uh, the citizens of uh, the BRICS nations and sometimes that is not clearly understood how it works in in that regard but let's see if we can uh, get our guests back on the line let me check if we have uh, Sanusha Naidu on the line. Sanusha, are you there? Okay, I, I don't think we have uh, Sanusha yet there. And uh, I don't think we have no Zippo yet. But okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. And then uh, we'll uh, uh, continue uh, the conversation. I'm an actress. I'm a motivational speaker. Born with albinism. Um, the nurse first asked my mother, is your husband white? My mother said, no, why are you asking me that question? When I grew up, there was no publication of person with albinism disappearing, mm. being stolen. You see, it was happening, but there was no exposure as it happening now. Hi, I'm Pule Mulebazi, the presenter of the Albinism Report. 
a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, highlighting challenges and achievements of people with albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following times. Monday, 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African time. And from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African time. Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African time. The Albinism Report, an enlightened narrative with me, Pule Mulebati, on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa. We apologize for the technical problems that we have faced uh, there with our lines, but I think we have everything uh, back on board right now. As we've been mentioning, we're broadcasting live from the 10th uh, BRICS uh, Summit uh, underway in Santon, Johannesburg, South Africa. And I think we still have Sanusha Naidu. Sanusha, am I clear from your side? Yeah, I'm here. Um, All right, fantastic. So, so um, let's wrap up the conversation. You know, what was highlighted by uh, Anozi Poelia was very interesting, the fact that uh, now these BRICS countries also want to get a buy-in when it comes to inter-trade and infrastructural development. But uh, a lot of the questions are around whether uh, are we getting a fair bargain when it comes to big countries such as Russia and China. How do we make sure uh, that we're not too indebted, Sanusha? Yeah, I think that's question. The question is, we talk about governance and we talk a lot about the governance at the multilateral level, but I think there definitely needs to be some... Uh, we're struggling uh, with that line. Uh, let's see if we can establish that line. Sanusha, are you there? The kind of deals that have been structured and being negotiated with African countries are not ones that create more asymmetrical levels of trade, but more than that, actually divert money away from the real questions around development and um, inclusion. And that's what this theme of the conference is about. I mean, the summit was really around uh, inclusive growth in the African context, and that was the main subheading and and, and overall um, focus of the summit. So I think invariably it's about the deals that are being signed. And I think what we also got to be very careful of is uh, assuming that this level of um, of trade and this level of deals that are happening um, are not necessarily creating a, 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 a reinforcing a kind of primary export of goods instead of a kind of um, tertiary or a secondary or, or even a kind of much more value-added level of production that takes place in Africa and so that there's better uh, manufacturing output and much more integrated output along um, value chains and along integrated manufacturing lines and production. So again, I think these are questions that I, uh, would definitely need to be asked and I think they only can be asked if you can see what kind of level of information we, we are given and how the impacts of these kinds of deals are having on the question of inclusive growth and development. But having said that, I also think we've got, we've got to be mindful of the fact that the bilateral remains a very, very key focus of all of the countries uh, in the BRICS dealing with Africa, including South Africa. And I think to a large extent we do have uh, an important summit coming up 
in in September, not not, sure. and it's very soon after the BRICS summit, which is the Forum on Africa, uh, Forum on China Africa Cooperation. And sure. there again, I think we'll have to see whether there is alignment between the kinds of investment and development cooperation and investment trajectories that China unveiled. The last time in 2015, the Chinese had unveiled a total package of 60 billion U.S. dollars in terms of a development program and a development package and trade, etc., to the African continent. The question remains is, how is this going to be either aligned to what the Chinese are doing in the context of the BRICS and whether or not these are separate, those are separate money, separate investment, separate deals? Or are we going to be seeing all of these deals lumped together? And then obviously the question then becomes is, how do we disaggregate them in terms of what is new, what is old, and what is ongoing? And I think the point that uh, my, uh, my colleague made about uh, the question of, of, of understanding how the bilateral works with the, with the much more broader continental programs is critical in the sense of whether or not China will agree to having uh, investments then rooted through the bank, the development bank of the BRICS, or whether it's much more aligned to its own institutions, which is the, the China Development Bank, which is the Ministry of Com- uh, Commerce and Trade, and also, mm. more importantly, the Silk Road Fund, which has been established, and the Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank that the Chinese have initiated under the, under the Belt Road Initiative. Mm. So again, how do we actually desegregate what is going on in the context of the deal-making for Africa? All right, uh, stay with me there. I'm going to just uh, wrap up, but I see here that uh, the Ugandan uh, President uh, Yoweri Museveni is now uh, speaking there. Uh, let's uh, just hear what he has to say, especially with his uh, not-so-good uh, track record when it comes to human rights. Our population is now 168 million people, and our combined GDP by PPP method is now US dollars 440 billion. By 2050, the population of East Africa will be 878 million people. East Africa is of course part of the Continental Free Trade Area, CFTA, which we signed recently in Ichigari which comprises most of the 1.25 billion people of Africa. The East African community has already achieved the common market and the customs union status. This has helped businesses in East Africa to grow. There are quite a number of industries that greatly benefit from this integration of the East African markets such as cement, steel, milk, grain and cereals, veterinary drugs, just to mention a few of them. It will also benefit automobiles manufactured or assembled in East Africa, the pharmaceuticals, some of the electronic machinery, etc. The BRICS countries could easily find investment opportunities in East Africa in value addition to cereals, fruits, milk products, fish products, forest products, beverages, minerals such as iron ore, copper, nickel, tungsten, cobalt, coltan, etc. These minerals produce steel and copper, 
that are needed in all basic industries and are also alloys to metal products for specialized purposes such as heat resistance. We no longer want to export raw materials for which we get only 10% of the value and also export jobs. The good example in this area is the Chinese company Guangzhou Dongsong Energy Group that has invested US dollars 650 million in Uganda's huge deposits of phosphates and iron ore to produce fertilizers and steel. The whole spectrum of other opportunities exist. The steel and phosphates complexes, which this company is now developing, will save East Africa US dollars 420 million per annum in imports of steel and fertilizers and create 200,000 jobs. There's also a huge market of electronics and other heavy and light engineering products. Moreover, well, uh, that is uh, the voice uh, there of uh, uh, the president of uh, Uganda, Yoweri Museveni, speaking there at uh, the BRICS Outreach Dialogue session. Well, we have to conclude the program. Very interesting dynamics. And let me wrap it up with you, uh, uh, Sanusha, in terms of when you include countries such as Uganda, when you start now including countries that have a, a bigger, uh, that create a bigger circle for the economy, Economic gains uh, of uh, the grouping, such as uh, uh, so Argentina earlier on, and uh, there was the Jamaican president just speaking not so long mm -hmm. ago. It actually creates a new uh, power block, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think what's very important to bear in mind here, Benjamin, is that there are two dynamics at play. There's the BRICS Plus with emerging markets and developing countries, which is where Argentina, Jamaica and uh, I think it's Egypt and one other country, I forget the name now, that forms part of that innovation that China had uh, unveiled at its at the summit last year as part of the whole question of, of moving the traditional outreach platform with Africa and, of course, in previous years with other regional actors, uh, India bringing in this tech and others. I think this has now shown... Chinese have now ha uh, created a very interesting dynamic in the BRICS. So you've got... The, the emerging markets and developing countries dynamic under BRICS Plus, and then of course you've got the Africa Outreach Platform, which includes Rwanda, Ethiopia, Uganda, and, and of course Namibia and others. And these are these are key actors in terms of their role that they're going to play in their regional economic communities, and of course in the role that they're going to play in terms of uh, Senegal taking over. Uh, the presidency or chairpersonship of, of NEPAD. And this is key. This is key to how you're going to navigate and galvanize and mobilize uh, and structure the, uh, the way in which you want to invest in the continent through these economic communities. And I think in the case of China, there's an overlapping between uh, the question of its own bilateral engagements in the continent as well as its much more bigger, broader um, geostrategic interests under the Belt Road Initiative with BRICS, with FOCAC and with other other structures. So if you look at Jamaica, Jamaica is the incoming chair of CARICOM in the in, in, in the in the in the West Indian region. And that's gonna in the Caribbean and that's gonna be critical as well. So I think to a large extent these are interesting dynamics that we need to be much more uh, cognizant of and much more reflective of in terms of how do these dynamics link up and align to a broader strategy that fits a broader kind of end goal. 
Well, thank you, Sanusha, for giving us your time. We have to let it go there, but uh, we really appreciate your assessment and uh, always giving us your expertise here on Channel Africa. Uh, so thank you, thank it's you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Benjamin. Thank you. That's Sanusha Naidu, who is a senior research associate at the Institute of Global Dialogue. And earlier on, we had Nozipo Mbanja, who is the CEO of a talent firm, trying to make sense of the last few days right here at the 10th BRICS Summit. We'll try to also cement some of these conversations, maybe next week on African Dialogue, where we can actually still unpack, because there's so much that has happened at this year's uh, BRICS uh, uh, Summit. As was mentioned, now we're also looking forward uh, to the FOCAC uh, gathering that will be taking place uh, in uh, China. Uh, so that will be uh, very, very interesting to see how that those patterns will actually complement uh, some of the outcomes of uh, BRICS in itself. But that's it from us here at uh, the Santon Convention Center. More updates will be happening in terms of uh, a lot of our journalists are still here in the background from our various services and I'm sure Africa Midday and other uh, African language services will give us more updates on what's happening because so much, so much to unfold and one show is never enough. But from me, Benjamin Mushatama, until next time, God bless. to Africa, your highway to the African continent. Join us on our new edition of Gateway to Africa as we journey into Africa.